Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, friends. Oh, my gosh. It's been months. I cannot believe I've been so bad about keeping up with my Tigris episodes, but here I am. Uh, My voice is hoarse and raspy from losing my voice over, you know, the last weeks. Um, But also, I think just as a result from spring allergies, because spring has sprung and we're here in New York City feeling great. Um, The last few months have been pretty wild uh, and as I'm sure many of you have experienced, I think that now I'm just kind of starting to get back into the groove of what my summer is going to look like. Since we last had a little check-in, just one-on-one here, um, I graduated from college and I closed my seed round. Uh, We raised nearly $2 million for August, which is so crazy to even say out loud. Um, And to be honest, it's just been a really crazy last few months of of just kind of settling into my new workflow. Um, I graduated college and it felt really anticlimactic, to be honest. I didn't go to the Zoom graduation. My sisters uh, tuned in briefly and sent me screenshots of it. And the night I, you know, had my quote unquote like graduation, I ended up going to dinner with my partner and I basically had a panic attack because I felt like this inadequacy from not having grad school lined up. And it's so crazy because I genuinely have no interest in continuing school. I don't want to keep going to school. I don't want to do school. I don't want to go to grad school. I have no idea why would I would even go to grad school. Like, But I think that I have kind of pushed myself to finish college with this idea that, you know, if I can do school on top of this, why shouldn't I, right? And if I have the opportunity to afford and be able to go to an incredible school, why wouldn't I? And I think that the reality of graduating from college was like, I mean, even my mom and my grandparents, they were like, okay, well, like, what's next, right? Like, I have my company, but like, what what is next in terms of my education? Um, and, and so I think that it took me a few weeks to really reconcile with like, 
okay, yeah, like I the the anxiety around wanting to go to grad school is completely unfounded and, and uh, you know, not in integrity with actually wanting to extend my learning in a certain field. Um, and I've honestly just been feeling like really relieved. Like suddenly I have downtime because I used to uh, use all my downtime over the last semester to do school, right? I was working, working, working. And then when I had some moments, I would try to do some reading or like catch up on the homework assignments that I'd been procrastinating on. Um, to be honest, I think I really set up my last semester to be pretty sweet in, in the sense that I got my requirements out of the way in the first couple years of college. So the last year or so has been just really diving into courses that I personally want to um, to experience, right? Doing, um, you know, doing classes about reimagining capitalism, globalization, been really into the idea of like um, ethics around supply chain because of my work with August. Um, and then also on like gender and sexuality and Asian American sociology. And uh, so I, for the last semester, I took three of, out of four of my classes all pass fail, which was um, great. And the only reason I did one of those classes on a graded basis is because I learned that that was actually an academic requirement of any semester where any of your semesters actually have to be very much like graded. Um, but other than that, it was like a pretty good semester. I don't, I wouldn't say that I was a great student. I wouldn't say that I gave my all to school. I think that my experience, because there was no campus social life, was very much that I had Zoom calls and then all of a sudden I didn't have Zoom calls. Um, and it, it, it it's kind of sad uh, in the sense of like I look back on my four years or five years of college since I took a gap year halfway through and I don't necessarily like have this warm and fuzzy feeling of like, oh, school was amazing. Instead, so it was kind of like, oh yeah, like I did it. You know, I was really only full-time on campus for maybe like a semester freshman year um, and I'm not graduating with like a group of friends I'm you know when I think about social life on campus I don't have this like warm and fuzzy feeling I have more like anxiety um, about it and I you know it college was nothing like what I expected it to be I think when I was in high school and I look back on like what I thought college would be I thought it would be you know this kind of picture book legally blonde movie idea of going to Harvard, having a college boyfriend, um, you know, getting straight A's in school, thinking about law school. Um, I really thought I was going to go to law school for like the first two years of college and, you know, really being involved in dance and politics on campus. Um, I was super involved with dance stuff uh, my first couple years and that's not what it was at all. Instead, for the last two years of college, I was barely on campus and when I was on campus I was hiding away in my room or in libraries um, and uh, wasn't a part of any kind of extracurriculars and I don't say all this to be like oh sad poor me I think you know those were all very much conscious decisions that I made because I think at a certain point I just it didn't feel right to be on campus in many ways and I've honestly just been so excited about what I'm doing off campus like you know as uh, for those of you who've been following along on social media and I know I haven't actually talked about it 
on a podcast yet, um, but I have been working on August for the last year and a half, which is a lifestyle period brand. And this is actually the first episode where I get to say, we made tampons, pads, and liners, you know, 100% organic cotton, fully biodegradable, recyclable applicators, covering the tampon tax, sustainability and impact, embedded into our DNA, all of the things that I think I've been dying to say on Tigris for so long, but I've been waiting to launch. We launched on June 10th, so it's been a little over two weeks, which is so crazy. And um, as I said at the beginning, we just announced uh, a few days ago, or actually yesterday, that we raised nearly $2 million for our seed round. And that is so wild. And um, I wish I could tell you that it was like, oh, you know, we pitched it out and then we got the money. No, not at all. Nick, my co-founder, and I started fundraising in March of last year. It has been over a year fundraising. And it has been the most confusing, exciting, terrifying, depressing, exhausting journey of fundraising. That is like my honest take on it. And I will be on phone calls with potential investors and I will say, literally, look, I hate fundraising. I don't know who likes fundraising, but I just want to do the fucking work. And I would drop the F-bomb and be like, this, this, these people need to know, like, you know, for me, fundraising as a founder is like, you're, that's not why you're doing the company. You're doing the company because you want to build it and you believe in the vision. Um, and I'm just so thankful to be done. Uh, I'm also just really proud of like how much I've learned about this space. Um, I don't think I, you know, knew what VC even stood for a couple years ago. Um, and thankfully, you know, I have friends in my life who understand what like investment, like how it's structured and what it looks like and what a cap table is. And so I've just been doing a lot of learning. Um, and it's been really incredible. Uh, it's been a lot of rejection. I'd say like maybe 10, 20% of the people we talked to um, actually was interested. And for the people who rejected us, it was everything from, oh, your idea is too early, to it's, it could be naive and you have to prove it out. You don't really know if it's going to work yet. Like, of course, we don't know it's going to work. Like, all of it is trying things out. Um, all the way to, like, I just think this is a bad idea. Like, I don't think it's a great idea and I'm not sure why you're doing it, right? And that is what hurt the most. And, you know, as you know, it's been an unexpected year where we started fundraising and we had actually like raised quite a bit of capital. And then I uh, was admitted, I was admitted into rehab actually um, almost a year ago. I was admitted on July 10th, which is really crazy. And uh, wow, that's crazy. I haven't thought about that. But I was admitted to rehab for six weeks and took some time off of fundraising. Um, we only had two investors who pulled their funding at that time and, you know, they eventually came back. Um, but, you know, I think that along with a global pandemic unexpectedly happening and mental health and family drama and everything, so much has happened over this journey and it has not been um, easy. It's also something I'm really excited to be done with for at least the next six to eight to 12 months, hopefully. Um, and honestly, I'm just feeling really thankful. This show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote unquote, yes men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. 
Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. And, you know, I think it's interesting because I've also just learned about kind of the not so glamorous life of being a founder. I think there is a big misconception that when we announce, you know, we raised, you know, close to $2 million, it means like, oh, like I must be rolling in dough. Like, no, not at all. Like, I do not have a salary and I have not had a salary for over a year. And I will not have a salary for at least a few months. And when you start a company as a founder, like I've put my savings into this company and it's not like, oh, we launch and it works. You know, like as our team knows and, you know, people know, like starting a company, nothing ever goes the way exactly as you plan it. And because we raised two million, like that really is, you know, setting us up for hopefully the next year of work, right? Making sure that we were able to build a supply chain and a team that we felt really good about. But, you know, in many ways, I think that, uh, it has been kind of a crazy journey of even demystifying what my own assumptions were about being a startup founder, being venture-backed and all these things. Um, I think that raising capital has also really taught me the importance of like trusting your gut. And I think that, you know, that is a lesson I probably learned over and over again. But I think raising capital is really interesting because there is no right way to do it. Every single person you talk to, whether they be on the funding side, whether they be on like being a founder side, nobody has like a right answer because there is no right answer, right? Like people you look up to will tell you, raise all the money you can because you never want to be strapped for cash. And it doesn't matter if you dilute yourselves. All the way to the people who you also look up to with the same utmost respect will say, do not raise, like do debt financing. Like there is no right answer, but even to a bigger level, there's conflicting advice and the people who embody that advice feel it with deep conviction, right? And so I think that for the last year and a half, like. Nick and I have really had to develop this sort of um, like thick skin where, you know, we will get advice from entrepreneurs that we have looked up to for years. And at the end of the day, have to know in our hearts, we feel in integrity with the decision that we're making. We know nothing about raising capital in a for-profit space. It's both of our first times. But even with that, we feel in our hearts that this is an important thing to do. And I'm just going to come out and say it like, we did turn down money because it wasn't values aligned. And it was really hard, especially when it didn't feel like we were ever going to raise. We turned down money because there were potential investors who said they didn't think it was right or the good decision to show menstrual blood in our branding, right? And so a lot of these decisions, like, it was so scary to make because these mentors that we have looked up to and still look up to you know, we have to actively almost like disagree with that experience. And it's a really hard thing to do. And I think that in many ways, like people of that caliber are not always used to it. Um, But it's been a really beautiful experience of, I think, being thankful for the team. You know, Um, I think most days I like close my laptop at the end of the day of work and I'm like terrified. And I just kind of reassure myself, like, I'm so lucky to be doing this. Like I would never have imagined that I would be, you know, leading a period brand of all things, you know, two years ago when I was, you know, trying to figure out how he's going to exit as executive director of a nonprofit that I was working at for six years, right? Like, this is such an unexpected journey. 
Um, and I feel like, you know, in high school when you're applying to college, every person will tell you, oh, you know, like life doesn't always go the way you plan out, right? It's not a ladder. There's all these twists and turns and what you think you're going to be doing now is not going to be what you're doing. And like, yes, it's a cliche, but yo, it's true. Like actually, like it's crazy. Like, okay, I did, okay, tangent. I went on a, uh, I, I was in a beauty pageant my freshman year of high school and or sophomore year I can't remember and when I was in the beauty pageant they asked me a lot of questions in the interview process and on like stage for the introductions part like what I wanted to be when I grew up and a deep conviction with deep conviction I said and declared and thought and in my whole heart believed that I was going to be a public defender before that I wanted to be an obstetric surgeon because I was obsessed with Addison Montgomery and Grey's Anatomy um, but I wanted to be a public defender and to think about all of the twists and turns I've had of like that to then running for office freshman year, thinking I like, you know, meeting Nancy Pelosi, being like, that is who I want to be, to then being like, no, I'm never going into politics. I'm going to do nonprofits. And then, no, actually, I'm going to publish a book. And I think I just want to write. Um, and maybe I just want to be a fitness instructor. I think maybe I'm just going to model, right, to now being like, oh, I'm going to raise capital and create a period company. And who knows what I'm going to be doing um, several years from now, right? Um, will I have a family? I hope not. I hope not, at least for several years. Um, I just have no idea. And uh, I just, I, I guess all of this to say, like, this last year has been unexpected, to say the least, um, in every way of the word. A global pandemic, surviving a global pandemic, going to rehab, going through all this stuff. Oh, finding out that, by the way, my dad had two kids and we found out on Instagram. I'm not in touch with him. But like all of these unexpected surprises. And I think that the more I go through this entrepreneurship journey, the more I just learn like the only way we get through this is to one, have a team that, you know, is where you have those professional boundaries, but you also treat like family, right? Where you care about them, you love them, you listen to them, you want them to challenge you, you want them to hold you accountable, you will do anything to protect them. Um, I'm not getting emotional thinking about our Augustine. Ooh. Uh, but also having grit, right? Knowing that doing things that, uh, you know, are going to be disruptive, you know, which is I know is an overused word, is going to invite a lot of criticism and is going to invite a lot of pushback. And, um, you know, people who are even doing their jobs to support you, you know, when they're doing their due diligence process, um, they're going to try to poke holes in your idea and your goals. Uh, and I think grappling with that rejection is something that I've felt, you know, through my whole life of raising money for a nonprofit, you know, trying to get votes, you know, trying to get new clients on my, on, at, on my consulting side. But, you know, I think that raising capital just feels like the stakes are so much higher. And I'm not kind of talking about this from a calm mind of, oh, I've gotten through it. Like, no, we launched and now it's go time, right? Kind of feels like the beginning. So what am I doing to take care of my mental health? All these changes, new company, graduating college. Um, I recently started hypnosis therapy um, and I'm only a few sessions in. Um, and I would say, you know, I've been doing it over Zoom and I was really skeptical of it. And my former life coach is the one who really recommended this doctor and I have loved it because I think, you know, I've done the EMDR and all of these different modes of therapy to really like process and sit in the muck of past trauma. 
And I do think that over the last year, I've kind of, or over the last few months, I kind of got to this place where I was like, okay, I kind of want to just focus on coping mechanisms, right? Like, you know, I'm always going to be uncovering and processing trauma, but at a certain point, and a really dear friend actually gave me this advice, like, at a certain point, you also have to think about how you're going to keep moving forward and living with, you know, the scars that have healed over that you are going to continue fighting and processing with. And it at some point like feels counterproductive, but also like even harmful to just continue reliving and trying to desensitize yourself to past trauma, like, which is honestly what I think CBT does after you do it a lot, right? Um, and so I've done hypnosis therapy and uh, I've done a few intake sessions and then I had one session last week and it was so cool um, because it it was visualization, like visualization, sorry, still have braces, guided imagery meditation sort of thing. And it was amazing. And I, you know, talked to my wise self. Um, I'll actually do a whole episode about this at some point. Um, but it just made me really excited to like, okay, I feel like supported like I feel like the people I've needed personal boundaries around or the people I need to cut out of my life I've done so and I think I'm just kind of having being a lot more intentional about how I spend my time who I spend my time with um, leaning into naps and you know no I don't have a morning routine and night routine but I've also tried it out and kind of redefining what therapy in my life and redefining what self-care in my life looks like and feeling really excited this weekend, this Pride weekend, you know, here as like an Asian American queer founder, like sitting in my essence and I'm just feeling really good, you know? Um, and, you know, I'm sure with BPD mood swings, I might feel completely differently in, in our next check-in. And I promise you, I have booked in my calendar that I will be better about these check-ins. I want to do them more often. Um, but again, this is just my recommitment to Tigris my recommitment to this Tigris community, which I just hope is a space where we can exist unapologetically as ourselves, where we can you know, continue unlearning and learning together and processing together. This is my unedited rant-like diary to all of you um, to even hold me accountable for uh, you know, finding time to just pause and reflect where I can just sit by myself and look at my laptop and be talking into the screen um, and I just want to say a big thank you to those of you who have stuck around. Um, I know I haven't been around for several months. And actually a lot of that is because I've been kind of relearning to talk as I have a lisp and I got braces in March and I honestly have been really insecure about it, you know, and I just, you know, I've, I've been, uh, I've had the privilege of never having a, a speech impediment or a lisp before and it's new, right? Like being in business meetings where I'm spitting on myself because I'm not used to like chewing with um, food with my <laughs> with my braces. But we're learning. We're all, it's all about new experiences. Um, but with that, happy Pride, everyone. Um, I love you all so much. And signing off here, I will talk to you soon. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.